Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T, and in this edition, I will be talking about AEW firing CM Punk. Well, that happened after production ended on episode 103. So I will go back track and give you my thoughts on that because it's one of the biggest wrestling stories of the year. And I have thoughts on it. And why Punk blew it. Then I will go into my thoughts on Terracon 2023. In which I went to over at the Royal Trade Plaza Center. Over in Marlborough, Mass. That took place on September 15th through the 17th. I'll give you my thoughts on the time I had at that convention. As it was nice to go to a horror convention for once. As I haven't done any this year. So it's nice change of pace to go to one. Then in What's Anthony T Watching. I will review a film that I picked up at TerrorCon. And yes it's an independent horror film. And that means you're continuing the indie crusade. Even though the actors are still on strike. The indie crusade is not ending until the actors go back to work and settle with the producers. Because I have this news story in which we have a, possibly a settlement in one of the strikes. So let's start off with the news. Starting the news, we finally may have an end to the writer's strike. That's a maybe. Because... They've reached a tentative deal with the major studios to end the strike. Which has been going on since May 2nd. And if they ratify this contract, the Writers Guild Association strike will be over. That means the writers will be back on the job writing new material for TV shows and movies. And that's a very good thing. That the major studios have finally decided to end this strike. It's a good thing that idiots like Bob Iger have come to their senses and come up with a deal. Pending ratification, of course. Because if it doesn't get ratified, the strike continues. That's plain and simple. But there is a tentative deal. Now, the Writers Guild of America put out this statement to its members. Dear members, we have reached a tentative agreement on a new 2023 MBA, which is to say an agreement in principle on all deal points subject to drafting final contract language. What we have won in this contract, most particularly Everything we have gained since May 2nd is due to the willingness of this membership to exercise its power, to demonstrate its solidarity, to walk side by side, to endure the pain and uncertainty of the past 146 days. It is the leverage generated by your strike in concert with the extraordinary support of our union siblings that finally brought the companies back to the table to make a deal. We can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional. With meaningful gains and protections for writers in every sector of the membership. This is good news that we finally have a tentative agreement on the writer's strike. Because once the writers are settled, we can now get to the actors and settle this strike. As the actors have been playing this smart by waiting and seeing what the writers get before they go to the negotiating table. It's going to be very interesting to see what takes place when the actors go to the negotiating table with the major studios. Because if this contract is ratified by the Writers Guild Association, we can now focus on ending the actor strike. 
and giving the actors what they want. Because by reading this, it sounds like the writers got what they wanted, or most of what they wanted. And it seems like to be a very good deal for them. So, I'm hoping this gets ratified. But if they want to continue the strike, that's fine by me. I don't mind. I will still support the writer's strike and the actor's strike through thick and thin. This doesn't mean I'm going to go right to the theaters once this writer's strike is over. Because I'm not until this actor's strike is over. Obviously. Because you still can't support the major studios. But it's a good start that this might be windling down. Now we can probably get the actors settled. And we can get back to filmmaking. Back to seeing our favorite stars on the big screen. Conventions going back to normal where you can talk about anything any film, any TV series, see your favorite stars. Instead of having to dance around questions. I'd like to see this strike over. Seriously. But I support the writers and I support the actors thick and thin. Until the end. But it is a positive step that it looks like the writers strike might be over. Because now we can get the actors strike settled because it's time for the studios after they settle with the writers and they ratify that contract if they do to go and bring the actors to the table not dance around for another three months like they did with the writers because this has been going on since May with the writers and we're in September heading into October so It's time to end these strikes, time to give the actors their fair share of streaming rights. It's time to end the nonsense with AI, because AI is just nothing but stealing a person's identity. So, I'm happy that the writers have finally come to a tentative agreement with the major studios. Now I hope this deal is good enough That we can move on to the actors. Because it's time for the major studios to come back to the table in regards to the actors. As they've been not wanting to talk to the actors since their strike started in July. Moving on to wrestling news. WWE releases 21 people. As they pretty much started cutting down the roster. You knew that was coming. When they merged with the UFC that they were going to cut some wrestlers. And the day finally came last Thursday when they released 20 wrestlers. They released 21 in total. But I'll save number 21 for afterwards. Because that's a separate little segment onto itself. But on Thursday they released 20 people including Dolph Ziggler. Elias, Top Dollar, Shelton Benjamin, Riddick Morse, Emma, Mustafa Ali, Rick Boogs, Dana Brooke, Aaliyah, to name a few. Now, we probably knew cuts were coming to the roster once the merger with UFC finalized. Because every time there's a merger with a company, they look to lay off people. But you're laying off people the same day that you signed a new TV contract with USA to carry Friday Night Smackdown. It's just mind-boggling. Seriously. It's ridiculous. Sure, I understand you want to cut wrestlers, but to do it on the same day when you sign a over $1 billion TV contract with a cable company for Friday Night Smackdown does not make it look good. Seriously. You're saying it's cost-cutting measures. How does it look like it's cost-cutting measures when you're getting $1 billion the same day? I don't get that. This could have been handled better. 
this could have been, they could have waited to next week to do this. But the optics look very bad that you're cutting wrestlers on the same day you sign a $1 billion TV contract. I don't get it. Seriously. Why would you do that, WWE? It's like this company just does stupid things. And under new ownership, it continues to do stupid things. It's just bad optics. Seriously. People losing their jobs while you guys profit over a new TV contract. I just don't get it. Seriously. Sure, some of these wrestlers will find work, that's for sure. I can definitely see Dolph Ziggler in AEW because his brother Ryan Nemeth's in AEW. I could see Mustafa Ali probably in AEW. You would definitely take a flyer on him. The guy's talented. I could also see maybe Shelton Benjamin there too for veteran leadership. Out of this list, I probably could see maybe three people there. Maybe for Emma. That's about it. Out of all these superstars released, I only can see maybe three or four people coming to AEW. I don't see Elias coming to AEW. I don't see Top Dollar. I don't see Rick Boogs going to AEW. I don't see Mace or Mansur going to AEW. I just only see Dolph Ziggler, Shelton Benjamin, Mustafa Ali, and Emma. That's it. It's going to be very interesting to see who ends up where. I can see some of these people also ending up in Impact Wrestling as well. Or Major League Wrestling. But out of this list, I could probably only see four people probably ending up in AEW. If that. I definitely could see Dolph Ziggler. That's a definite. Him and Ali, that's probably the most definite. If you have to put on who you think are most definitely going to be in AEW. It's probably those two. Then you got possibly Sheldon Benjamin and Emma. So WWE released a lot of wrestlers. I hope they find work in the industry. Seriously. As there's a lot of promotions out there. Where they can go out and reinvent themselves. If AEW doesn't want them they can go to Impact MLW, like I said before, or do the Indies, or do Japan. There's a lot of places where some of these wrestlers can thrive and reinvent themselves. It'd be interesting to see where a lot of these people end up on this list after their release. I hope they get work, seriously, because no one should be out of work. And it sucks that WWE cuts people. It does. And finally, yes, I know this was part of the talent cuts, but this gets its own little segment. And yes, I'm talking about Matt Riddle being cut by WWE as they recently released Matt Riddle from his contract. Now, Matt Riddle has been one of the biggest stars in the company, but what's been hurting him lately has been his controversies. As it seems like almost every year he's had a controversy in WWE. First in 2019, he had a backstage incident with Goldberg. Then he had a sexual assault lawsuit in 2020, which got dropped in 2021. He attended rehab and was flagged for multiple wellness violations in December 2022. Then this was the end of Matt Riddle in WWE. He had an incident recently at JFK Airport where he was intoxicated. Then he got into an altercation with a police officer at the airport, who noticed that he was intoxicated. But instead of just manning up that he screwed up, he claimed that 
that officer sexually assaulted him. And he posted a photo of the officer on his Instagram, which has since been deleted. Well, police are going to stop you if you're intoxicated. Seriously. And that's not a good sign, especially when WWE just merged with the UFC to form TKO. As they're not going to tolerate this behavior anymore. As they were aware TKO of his previous violations. And they just decided to get rid of him. Because he was becoming such a headache. Again, I'll go into this later with CM Punk. This guy was given multiple chances to change his behavior. But didn't. And Matt Riddle blew it. This guy was supposed to be a top star in this company. And if you think he's going to go to AEW, I don't think he's going to AEW. Because I really don't think Tony Khan's going to hire him. Not after the CM Punk debacle, which I will talk about next segment. Because if Tony Khan hires him right after this, that's not a good sign for them. Matt Riddle's going to have to go back to the Indies, prove himself, prove that he can stay out of trouble, then hopefully in a year or two go back to WWE. But I really don't see him going to AEW. He'll probably end up having to wrestle in Japan because I just don't see AEW giving him that chance right now because they just got rid of one headache. Why would you hire another headache? Maybe you can go to Impact or MLW. I just don't see AEW hiring him. I just don't. Not after the CM Punk fiasco. But then again, I could be wrong. But still, after this charge, I don't think he's going to be hired by AEW. So he's probably going to have to work Japan. And with that, that's the news. Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast here. The discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. If you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers were smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. Right. <laughs> www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back. Now, there are times where I'll admit I am wrong. There are some things where I don't hear the whole story and jump to conclusions and blame one person while not blaming the other and defending that person. And I admit, I was wrong. And I'm willing to admit it here. On this podcast, that last episode, I blamed Jack Perry for the whole brawl-in incident. You know, the one at Wembley Stadium, at AEW's biggest show ever, All In, where he got into a fight with CM Punk. Well, it turns out, I was wrong, is the fault of both CM Punk and Jack Perry. As both of them are at fault here. Because what AEW did to CM Punk was something that needed to be done. Seriously, to get this company back on track because this was going off a roller coaster. 
And yes, I'm talking about CM Punk getting fired. And yes, before you ask, why didn't you cover this last episode? Well, production ended before I found out CM Punk got fired. So, I'm going to backtrack to that. Because I do have thoughts on this subject. Seriously. When I first heard the news that CM Punk got fired by AEW, I was surprised. Seriously. I literally thought he was bulletproof in this company. Because he's the one who brings in the ratings. He's the guy that brings people to your product. In something less than, say, I don't know, something he done in public, you keep this guy. If he did it in your own company, you, you probably try to keep this guy in your company against all the wrestlers who are telling you to get rid of this guy. And finally, Tony Khan has listened to most of his locker room. Well, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that Tony Khan was right near that fight. In fact, he was literally not too far from that fight. As this whole Jack Perry CM Punk fight occurred right in front of the boss. How dumb do you have to be to have a fight like that in front of your boss? It's amazing. How dumb is CM Punk and Jack Perry fighting with each other in front of your boss? You know, it's not going to end well. Seriously. Because you're going to get discipline automatically. Instead of having to a long investigation drag out. This was a quick investigation compared to Brawl Out last year. As we have video too for this one. So this one didn't take long to investigate. And then the Saturday before All Out, Tony Khan fired CM Punk. After all the investigation... After the disciplinary committee met, after the lawyers told him that they needed to fire CM Punk, Tony Khan fired CM Punk. Then what did Tony Khan do afterwards? Tony Khan could have ran and hide, literally, because we were in Chicago. That's where CM Punk is. And he was public enemy number one in Chicago. Because you just fired their hometown guy on the weekend of a pay-per-view taking place in Punk's hometown of Chicago. So he could literally just ran and hide. Not even show up to the building, quite frankly. Because I would think Vince McMahon would probably be running and hiding if he did that to Punk. But instead, Tony Khan... Goes out to the crowd on the stage and delivers a prepared speech to them why he fired CM Punk. While CM Punk did deserve being fired here. Let's face it first of all before I get into that. Because the things that CM Punk did are unexcusable. First off, he started a fight with Jack Perry. And some of the details are coming off of Deadspin.com. As a neutral source said, Punk shoved, punched, and choked Perry in front of the owner, Tony Khan. Then once things broken up, Punk allegedly lunged at Tony Khan before telling the AEW boss that he was quitting the company. This was coming from the Wrestling Observator. Now back to the collision taping where Tony Khan went up on stage. He could have gone Paul Heyman style and fired him like that, but he did not do that. He talked in a more professional way, telling how he was literally threatened 
and felt he was in danger. He felt the staff was in danger to that Chicago crowd that was wanting CM Punk so bad. Yeah, the crowd was not happy about it, but well, you have to give Tony Khan respect to go in front of that crowd. To tell them in a professional manner that he had to fire CM Punk because of the disciplinary actions. If anybody acted in the manner that CM Punk did, they would be fired too. I know Chicago fans are booing and everything. And if you guys are not wanting to watch AEW because, well... They fired CM Punk. You were never an AEW fan. You were a CM Punk fan. You never cared about wanting to watch AEW in the first place. You only wanted to watch CM Punk. And you condone CM Punk's behavior. Because I like CM Punk. He's a great wrestler. But I can't condone that behavior. Seriously. Tony Khan had a right to fire him. And he did. He gave him a second chance and CM Punk blew it. I don't know why you CM Punk loyalists think Tony Khan is evil. Because he isn't. He had to protect his staff. He had to protect everyone that works in front of him. Punk once allegedly at Khan. You can't do that. Seriously. If he did that to Vince McMahon, he'd be fired too. It's ridiculous. Why you CM Punk fans are condoning his behavior. Because I don't condone it. Seriously. This guy should stay away from wrestling. Every time he's in a promotion, he causes trouble. He did it in WWE, he's did it now in AEW, and yes, I see WWE fans wanting CM Punk back. Do you really want CM Punk back? Because I know Seth Rollins does not want CM Punk in WWE. He'll destroy that locker room too. Give it a year. He'll destroy that locker room, whatever brand he's on. And I would be... Afraid every pay-per-view, every time him and Seth Rollins cross paths. Because remember, Seth Rollins called CM Punk a cancer to the wrestling business. If a top star from another promotion is talking about another star from another promotion as a cancer to the wrestling business then he's probably a cancer to the wrestling business. WWE should not hire him. Seriously. Sure, you'll get box office numbers, but is this guy worth it? No. This company's making tons of money without him. They do not need him. Only thing that would happen is that he'll cause trouble, then you'll have to fire him again. CM Punk should just stay away from wrestling, seriously. Because he's got great talent, but his attitude is what's hindering him from becoming a legend. One of the best in the business ever. It's all self-sabotage. And he could have done it here with AEW. But instead, CM Punk blew it. Hi, I'm Anthony T. And I'm director Andrew Duran, and we are the Two From Hell. And we're putting Rated R back into podcasting. Every month we will be dropping an episode on the Doc Discussions Network. We'll be chatting about some of our favorite films, news, reviews, and maybe interviews. You can find Two From Hell on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, and other podcast providers. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at 2 from Hell Podcast. Trust me, you're seriously not going to want to miss the show.
Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for this sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care fight real monsters. Welcome back. Now, recently, I went to TerrorCon. That took place September 15th through the 17th in Marlboro, Mass. At the Royal Plaza Trade Center in Marlboro, Massachusetts. This is my first time I went to Marlboro, Massachusetts for anything. And this is definitely the first time I went to this venue. So I really did not know what to expect when I got there. I first got there on the Friday morning, pretty much around 11.30, 12. Checked into the hotel room as usual, as this is another of those weekend getaways. Because we can't have a horror convention in Rhode Island. Will somebody please put a horror convention in Rhode Island, please? It would be very well appreciated... As I don't have to pay for a hotel room. Just saying. I don't mind going on these hotel weekend getaways. But it adds up, literally. When you go to these cons and you have to pay for a hotel room too. It adds up. But hey, I just want a horror convention in Rhode Island. It's not much to ask. But anyway, we're going back to the Terror Con review here, everyone. Since we're going to talk about it. This time I went as a VIP for the convention. Now, some cons I go as press, some cons I go as VIP. This one I went as VIP, the same one I went as the last convention that I went to. And I have to say, first impressions on this convention, I really had a really good time that weekend. I really thought it was a very good convention. There were maybe a drawback or two, but I had a fun time at this convention. It got a little chaotic at times, I'll tell you about that. But, let's start off on Friday. I get in there Friday. Thankfully, I did not need to see Robert England because I met Robert England a couple years ago when he was in Rhode Island for Rhode Island Comic Con. I would like to say 2017 where I got my autograph. But, I would meet Robert England here in this convention, but I'll talk about it a little bit later. I first started off walking around, then first met Sandy Johnson, who is an iconic figure in a popular franchise. I can't say the franchise name because we're still under a strike, people, so I have to play around here. Think about the seasons. That franchise. And how her character is one of the most iconic characters in that franchise. For a small role, it is an iconic character. I met her, very super nice person. Then I started walking around. Then I met Amanda Wins from another popular horror franchise. I'll give you a hint. I mentioned his name before. You can figure out what the franchise is. If you were listening to the name I mentioned first, that's the franchise she was from. And some of the people I met were from that franchise. But I can't say the franchise name because we are under a writer's and actor strike, everyone. She was a nice person. It was a very nice meeting Amanda Wins. Then I met Cheryl Finn from a popular TV show. Which had the greatest season in the history of television. 
I might have mentioned this show on this podcast from one of my favorite directors of all time. I can't tell you the show because, well, same thing. But still, she's a very nice person. She was also in another cult sci-fi film as well, which I like as well. Then after that, I met Melinda Clark from another popular comic book film that kind of has horror elements to it. And she was also a main character in a popular franchise in which I thought was the best entry in the franchise. You see, I have to play around with this titles, people, because I can't talk about the films because I will be giving the major studios promotion, and I'm not doing that here on this podcast. But still, she was a nice person, everyone. Then afterwards, I stopped over at the Mad C Productions booth to pick up Horny Teenagers Must Die. It's always good to catch up with Dave Zagorski. Very cool person to be with. And besides, I will give my unbiased review of that film next segment. So stay tuned. I decided to get the first of four photo ops at this convention. And you may have seen the teaser on the Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show Facebook and Instagram page. Yes, my picture with Robert England. And it was a great thing that I went on Friday to get that picture. Sure, it was busy, but I'll explain more. When I get into Saturday. It was nice doing that photo op with Robert England. I wanted to do this one because, well, I didn't do it the last time because, well, I could afford one or the other. I'm not going to spend three, four hundred dollars on one person. So you do one or the other. So I decided to do the autograph at Rhode Island Comic Con back in like 2017, and then do the pro photo op here at TerrorCon. And it was a fun photo op. I love this photo op. This guy seems to be into every photo op. As he, it, he just makes it so fun. As you see the picture, I had a blast doing the photo op. It's probably one of my favorite photo ops of all time. Seriously. It's up there with David Howard Thornton's photo op. And Kevin Smith. And Tony Todd. I love doing photo ops that are going to be fun. Not just like people standing there just taking the op. Moving on along. I want it to be fun. And man, Robert England was fun. He really cares about his fans. He wants to make that experience Worthwhile. Considering the money he charges, I'm happy he does that for his fans. Because actors can just not do that. They'll just take the money and run, sit there, and just take the picture, then you just move on to the next one. I've seen that with actors, but Robert England just seemed like he was having a blast at these photo ops, which was nice. The last person I met for day one was Ginger Lynn Allen. Very nice person. Such a sweetheart. We talked a lot about films. She's also in a couple of indie films. You may know Murder Size. I reviewed that film a couple episodes ago. She was in that film as well. So talked a little about that film. Since that's a truly independent horror film. Not a major studio film. An independent production. That didn't rely on any studio or producer's guild crap. She was fun to talk to. We also talked about her music video that she was in for Metallica. Which they really nailed the classic. Ever hear that song, Turn the Page, the cover of Bob Seger's song? It's, I think, one of the rare times that the cover is better than the original. I like that... And that was pretty much it for day one, besides shopping for vendors, catering to my Funko addiction, 
Also caught a couple of panels as well, which were fun, including the after show panel, which was such a riot. The Angry Geeks Live panel, which is such a riot. Then day two, I started off meeting Heather Langenkamp, finally, been wanting to meet her for quite a while. As this convention was about meeting three people I've been wanting to meet that I didn't meet the last time they came around. Heather, Amanda, and Cheryl Lynn. And I got to meet all of them in this convention, which is very good. Back to Heather. She was a nice person. It was very nice meeting her. She was such a sweetheart. I have nothing but very good things to say about her. It was great meeting her. Then I met Mark Patton from the same franchise in which Heather's in. Little Hint. He was a very nice guy who talked a little bit about his documentary which is an independent film. Scream Queen My Nightmare on Elm Street. Definitely check that film out. I can talk about that because that's an independent film. He was such a nice guy. It was nice meeting him. There's about shopping around, buying more Funkos, buying t-shirts. In fact, I picked up a couple t-shirts during this convention from vendors, which I always love to support. Because that's how they make their living sometimes with these conventions. Then it got chaotic. Literally chaotic. As I was going to do a Lance Hendrickson photo op on Saturday. But it was near the time when Robert England's photo op was. And that was pure chaos. As the lines were just crazy for this guy. For him and all the Nightmare on Elm Street team ups. It was crazy. But then again, Robert England's the biggest drawer at this convention. And definitely one of the biggest drawers on the con scene. So, you would expect for that to happen, people. So, I don't mind. It could have been worse. It could have been me just waving the white flag on the photo op. But, thankfully, I was going to be there Sunday, so... I decided, you know what, I don't need to go through this chaotic line to go to the line to buy my photo op ticket, to go through the chaos that is the Robert England line. So, you know what, I'll wait to Sunday, and I'll tell you about the photo op when I get to the Sunday part of the day. This led me to the hotel to catch the rest of the Mick Foley panel. It's only caught like half of it. Then I pretty much... I believe went back to the World Trade Center Plaza, walked around for a couple hours till 3 o'clock, then went back to the panel room for the John Kazar panel. Then there was a talk, Scary to Me panel with Daniel Harris, Serena Vincent, and Monica Kina. Then I went to the Chris Sarandon panel. Then I had to run back down all the way to the Royal Trade Plaza Center to get to the Chris Sarandon photo op. Very nice guy. As he's definitely a legend. As he's done a lot of films that I like. Both horror and non-horror. Which I would love to talk about but can't. Unfortunately. Then after that I pretty much called it a day. Maybe walked around a little bit more. To my recollection, then went to the room, watched AEW Collision, then went to the after party, had a couple drinks, had a great time. It was a blast. I stayed there till a little after midnight, which is good because usually I don't go to these parties. And if I go to these parties, I usually like leave an hour before midnight. I like to go to bed around 11 o'clock when I'm at these cons, but I was up. To like a little after 12. And I was surprised that I was so in a such a good mood. Like my normal self. Because I really thought I was going to be literally lagging on the last day of Terracon. Because literally I was having a couple of adult beverages. But it's always a good thing to have a water too when you're having these adult beverages. So you're not 
going completely tipsy. I felt a little tipsy, which is fine to be, but also make sure you space out your drinks. Throw a lot of water down, drink a lot of water, so you're not going back to the hotel room plastered. Because I am not that type of person. It was fun. I had a fun time there. But always have water with your adult beverages. It will help. Trust me. When you get back to the hotel room, at least you'll have your faculties intact. Instead of being all drunked out or potty hard mentality. So when day three came, I thought I was going to wake up with such a headache. Literally, because... Of my drinking the night before. Because I had a beer and a screwdriver. And I thought to myself, that might have not been a good idea. Because you don't know how you're going to wake up. But me, I just woke up normal. Like I normally do every day. Literally. So thankfully I dodged a bullet of a hangover. You do not want to have a hangover at a convention. Especially on the last day. When you're trying to get autographs. So on day three I get down there. Walk around a little bit. My first celebrity meetup of the day was with Kim Myers. From a film which she's co-starred with Mark Patton. And Robert England of course. You can put it together to figure out what film. She was a very nice person. We talked a little bit about acting and... The strike and everything, which I don't like talking about, but it's you got to dance around these questions. It's like you you don't want to talk about it and get someone overly offended because these people are on strike. And I understand why they don't want to talk about it because they'll be promoting it. Like what I'm doing here by not promoting these films in this review. Unless if it's an independent produced film. Anyway, she was a nice person, very nice to meet. Then I met William Rogsdale from a certain film with a horror legend. And no, it's not Robert England. He was a nice guy to meet, super cool. Wasn't planning on meeting him, but I had a little extra money. Might as well, plus I love the film a lot. And I've met a couple other cast members from that film. In previous cons. Then afterwards. Would walk around a little bit. Till 12 o'clock. Then I decided to do the Danielle Harris photo op. That was like a last minute thing. Because well. I kind of wanted to do something different. I wanted to do another photo op. And I've never done one with Danielle before. So I figured it would be a perfect time. Plus I'm a huge fan of said franchise. That falls on a typical season and has worked with a rock star. Sorry. I always have to bring it up when the rock stars come up on this podcast. Seriously. You know what rock star I'm talking about. She was very cool to meet. It was nice meeting her again as I haven't met her in about four or five years. Back in the rock and shock days. When the last time I met her, I think. Then I met Monica Kina from a certain film in which two horror icons clash. She was very nice to talk to as that was pretty much my final autograph from the convention. Then I would uh, run back to the panels and uh, watch the... uh, Ross Marquardt panel, which was a fun time as he was doing a lot of really good impressions, as he's also a voice artist as well. Then it was the Lance Hendrickson live on stage panel, which I enjoyed a lot. He was such a riot. I didn't think he would be a riot. I was expecting a more serious panel, but this guy's just such a fun person. And then after that, I went... Back to the Royal Trade Plaza Center to do his photo op, finally. As I really got the photo op because, well, he was literally charging $80 for a photo. And his photo op was like 
85 plus fees to get a photo with the guy. Plus, he's worth it because he's been in such iconic horror and sci-fi films. So, I made it my fourth photo op of the weekend. And he's such a great guy. I love him. I didn't think he would be that fun to be with, but he was. Whether it was at that panel or in that photo op room, it was fun. And after that, it was just like walking around, saying my final goodbyes, and ended another fun convention at Terracon. My overall thoughts of this convention. I thought this was a very good show. The building I felt maybe was a little too small. Maybe because I'm used to going to the Rhode Island Convention Center, and I like that building a lot. Because I really thought that building probably would have been a lot better than the building here. But still, it was a very good show. The guests were good. With the exception of Robert England craziness on Saturday, everything was fun. I had a good time. I was able to move around without ease. With the exception of maybe that photo op area on Saturday. That was maybe the only blunder in which it was tough to move around. But still, I enjoyed myself. I really recommend this convention. I would go back next year. I really hope they do it next year. I know they put out a graphic on their social media pages saying they're coming back next year. I hope they come back next year. This has to be a yearly event. You have to run this convention every year. And it'll build and it'll build and it'll build. Because they got the resources to make this the biggest horror convention in the New England area. They do. But they got to continue to run this year in, year out. And not try to cram it in between Silver Scream Con and CT Horror Fest. Because I don't want to see that next year. Seriously. These cuts need to move dates. It'd be a lot easier for us fans. Let all these three shows grow. So, overall, Terracon was a fun time. I had a great time going to Marlboro, Massachusetts. And definitely would consider going again next year. You can find Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show on social media, on the Slasher app, Facebook and Instagram at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling. You can find the show on Twitter at K Media. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and other major podcast providers. You can also listen to the show on YouTube at youtube.com slash Media and drdiscussions.com. And don't forget to join the official Facebook group of Anthony's Horror and Wrestling Show. On Facebook, type the name of the show in the group search box. Well, what's Anthony T watching this episode? Remember last segment I told you that I would be reviewing a film that I picked up at TerrorCon? That's right. I'm talking about that film that I picked up at Terracon called, get this, Horny Teenagers Must Die. It's the latest film from Dave Zagorski, friend of the podcast. He's been on the podcast before. As you have to go all the way back to episode 47 of the podcast, where I interviewed him about his film Killing Brooke. Which you can find on the Film Arcade Media site. Back in the good old Anthony Horror Show days. Now he has a new film called Horny Teenagers Must Die. And it is the latest film to be a part of the Indie Crusade. Because well, I am not reviewing studio films on this podcast. Until both the writer's strike and the actor's strike are over. And at least there's some movement in the writer's strike. So we may have a deal by the time this episode comes out. Keeping fingers crossed this might be the last indie crusade. 
Because once that gets settled, the actors will probably settle. But anyway, back to what I was doing as we're reviewing Horny Teenagers Must Die. And for that, before I start the review, I go on to imdb.com to read you the synopsis of the film. Because that's the way it works here on the Indie Crusade. The synopsis is, Horny Teenagers Must Die is an over-the-top homage to 80s slasher fare with a difference. Pitting a tale of sexual intrigue and weakened hedonism against a violent and bloody dead teens in the woods backdrop. A group of recent high school graduates head out into the woods for a weekend of sex, drugs, and booze-drenched debauchery. Only to meet their maker at the hands of a demented killer who uses anything from farm tools to sex toys in a non-stop orgy of eye-popping slaughter. Pot, pitch, black comedy, pot, body count horror, horny teenagers must die, fuses the narrative structure of the Friday the 13th movies with the caustic wit of Heathers and the gory anarchic insanity of cult classics like Reanimator, Street Trash, Cabin Fever, and The Evil Dead. I don't know about The Evil Dead part because it would have been more supernatural. This has no supernatural elements at all. So you can forget about The Evil Dead, seriously. Because when I think of The Evil Dead, I think of supernatural horror. This is not supernatural horror. Maybe the humor, but not the horror. Everything else probably fits true. Reanimator, it's bloody. Street trash, same thing. Gory. Cabin fever, yeah, we're in a cabin. And yes, Friday the 13th, because, well, it's a slasher film. Now, I told you I would give you my unbiased review of this film. And I will. And my thoughts are, it is a very good film. I like this film. I had a fun time with this film. Horny Teenagers Must Die is a fun film from start to finish. I really like the fact that this film really does a good job taking its time to get you into this film. By setting up its characters, by introducing them. I like that stuff in a film. I like it when films are not rushing towards a kill scene. This film doesn't rush its kills until the third act, which is fine, as long as it's built up. I also like how some of the death scenes in this film are created and the way it was filmed. I like how they had this it-comes-out-of-nowhere type of feel to it, because literally, it really made it fun. It kept me on edge with everything that was going on in this film. I like the fact that it gives you a red herring that really makes you go in thinking one thing, then it is the opposite. Dave Zagorski, who wrote, direct, and edited this film, does a very good job with the way he creates his characters, the way he directs his actors in portraying these characters, as I thought those characters in that film were fun. It was a fun film. It's nice to see independent horror films that are fun. I like the fact that this is paying homage to various films. You have films like Friday the 13th. You have films like Scream with the whole whodunit thing. And you had kill scenes that are very creative, very inventive, to the point where it just is sitting to yourself, WTF, or what the hell? Or, you gotta be kidding me that they went there. I liked it. It really made me enjoy this film a lot. He gets good chemistry with his cast, which I also like. As I thought the cast did an excellent job with this film. As they really helped make this film very fun to watch. I love the fact that Zagorski does a very good job balancing out the 
serious and comic tones in this film as this is kind of like a dark horror comedy and it's sometimes tough to balance out the comedy aspects with the horror aspects as the first half you could do the comedy aspects and I liked how they kept it to around the first half of this film for the most part then once it got really serious it got really serious in a hurry, which was very good, as it wasn't like ha 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 all the time. Once you had the stakes revealed, it got serious. And that's why I also liked about Zagorski's screenplay. He makes sure that you're having a good time in the beginning of the film, so when things get real, you stop caring about these characters. And he does that with his screenplay. And this leads to a finale, which I liked. And it works. As I really enjoyed Horny Teenagers Must Die. As this was a fun film that really balances out the humor, has some really good gore effects, has some very good death scenes, and really good performances from its lead cast. That's what really makes a successful independent production work and makes you want to rewatch it again. So, in finalizing Horny Teenagers Must Die, there's a lot of debauchery in this film. And it works very well. If you're a fan of this 80s throwback films, you will love this film. As it has everything you want that was in an 80s horror film, pretty much. So, I really recommend Horny Teenagers Must Die, as this was a very fun film from start to finish, with some good laughs, some really shocking kill scenes, some good gore effects, and, quite frankly, death scenes that will make you say WTF. That they went there. Four stars for Horny Teenagers Must Die. Coming up on the horizon, I'll have another Two From Hell episode with Zombie Durant. As we'll definitely be probably talking about the CT Horror Fest debacle. Yeah. The only way I can put this convention that I heard from various People on CT Horror Fest Facebook. It was such a debacle. We'll talk about that, obviously, because Zombie went to that. I'll go more into TerrorCon, but I'm guessing that's probably going to be the main topic on this episode because, well, this is the second time in three years that a con had a fire marshal shut down the show. Now, if you're new to cons, it's not normal for fire marshals to shut down the show every other year. It isn't. Seriously. It just isn't. But I'm going to save it for that podcast because, well, I didn't go to the show, so I can't talk more on it. We'll talk more about it on Two From Hell movie podcast. Because I'm going to have some thoughts on this. Because I saw some comments that really pissed me off. As I got a lot of venom at this convention. Seriously. And I didn't even go to this convention. It's like you hear stories and just makes you enraged. That was the case with this con. But again, I'm saving it from... For two from hell, because, well, I didn't go to this convention. If I'd gone to this convention, totally different episode. And I'll give you my future plans on that con. As to my thinking on that con's future. From both a con perspective and me as a con goer perspective. Because I have a lot to say about this. Seriously. And it's not good. I can tell you that right now. But I'm not talking about it here because I did not go to this convention. So I'm not going to sit there and give the time of day. I'll just give it the teaser for the next episode for Two From Hell. 
With that, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you like this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora. You can also subscribe to Film Arcade Media on YouTube at youtube.com slash the at symbol Film Arcade Media. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Anthony T's Horror and the Slasher app at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling. As you're not going to find anything on Twitter anymore because I'm done with Twitter or X or whatever you call that platform. It's such a joke that I'm not going to spend any more time on that platform promoting it. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling. Support indie horror. This has been a Film Arcade Media production.